Europe Out Loud, a podcast about Europe's history, culture, and civilization. Brought to you by the Martin Center with Frederico Reo. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new episode of Europe Out Loud, our podcast series. We have decided to devote this episode to the concept of the social market economy. This is a strange concept in the sense that it entered European integration quite late. It was introduced by the debates in the Constitutional Convention on the Future of Europe, and then it became a goal of the Union under the Treaty of Lisbon, so roughly 10 years ago. But it has gained some traction as a symbol of a renewed commitment of the European project to its social dimension, to deepening its social dimension. Now, the, the main idea of the podcast is to show that this is to an extent paradoxical. Why paradoxical? Because the concept of the social market economy was in fact born, something that may surprise many listeners, as a neoliberal concept. Today, neoliberalism is something we associate with extreme support for market freedom, but in fact it is in, in a neoliberal milieu uh, that the social market economy was born. So let me start with the origins of the social market economy. How did it come about? What is it? Now, the fact of the matter is that there are three concepts that are closely related to each other that were used often interchangeably by their framers and which developed uh, between the 1930s and the 1950s. And these three concepts are neoliberalism, order liberalism, and the social market economy. Interestingly enough, all of them are German concepts. They all come from a German environment. Now, the broadest of them is neoliberalism. We are in the 1930s, uh, right after the Great Depression of 1929, which was largely blamed on uh, the failure of global capitalism, a bit what happened 10 years ago with the Great Recession. Free markets were not, uh, did not enjoy a good reputation. And a group of uh, thinkers, liberal thinkers, who wanted to uh, rescue somehow the reputation of liberalism and defend the ideas of free markets for the future, meet in uh, Paris. They come from all over the Western world um, for a colloquium, which went down in history as the Lippmann Colloquium. We are in 1938. And they invent for themselves the label neoliberals. They call themselves neoliberals. Now, as I said, today we tend to associate neoliberalism as support for the most unbridled form of laissez-faire. But back then, this idea of neoliberalism was based on a criticism of what went before, which was what they called paleoliberalism, and it was precisely this extreme form of laissez-faire supported by classical economists in the 19th century, since the time of, of Adam Smith. So what was the idea? The idea was that what we, we are happy with the, what they call the night watchman state, a state that ensure uh, justice, uh, basic uh, rights, law and order, if you wish, so a very limited state. Um, and neoliberals said this is what failed in the old liberalism. Old liberals did not understand that, that we need, this, for sure, a free economy, but in order to maintain this free economy, we also need a strong state. And Alexander Rustov, the German uh, thinker who coined the, the, the expression 
um, neoliberalism coined the program of this uh, stream of liberalism exactly like that, free economy, strong state. Now, what did they mean by strong state? They meant, of course, that the state should provide, a strong state should provide a basic framework of stable rules. But they meant, most importantly, that um, the market is prone to concentration. There is a tendency in market to develop market power, basically cartels, monopolies, and that the classical liberal thinkers are not understood that a strong state must be active to police um, markets, to prevent these forms of concentration, and to basically break down monopolies. Now, order liberalism, and we are getting close to the social market economy, we'll soon get there, but a few more steps. Order liberalism, I think, can be correctly explained as the German branch of neoliberalism. So neoliberalism is a broader movement, as I have said, uh, made up of economists, uh, thinkers, historians of a liberal persuasion from most Western countries, including many from the United States. Order liberalism was a specifically German uh, branch of this broader neoliberal movement. It developed around the so-called Freiburg uh, School of Economics, because it was based at the University of Freiburg. Names that would be totally probably uh, meaningless to most people these days, but they have an important role in the early steps of the social market economy. So it is maybe worth uh, remembering them. Walter Eucken and Franz Böhm, who were both professors at the, uh, at the Freiburg University. Uh, others, other economists who were fellow travelers at the Freiburg School, Wilhelm Röpke, who taught in Switzerland, Alexander Rustov, which interestingly enough is, as I mentioned, the inventor of the, of the expression neoliberalism, and then most importantly, two names, which is important to retain, Alfred Müller-Armack and Ludwig Erhard. Why? Because these names would be would play a very important role as active politicians and policymakers, and they would be those who would bring the social market economy and order liberalism to power uh, after the war in Germany, in West Germany. Ludwig Erhard would become uh, the first uh, economy minister under Adenauer, and then uh, the successor of Adenauer as chancellor. Müller Armag would be a state secretary in his ministry, and very importantly, there is also a European connection here. Müller Armag will be the chief negotiator for Germany of the Treaty of Rome. So, order liberalism agrees with the basic idea of neoliberalism: uh, free economy, strong state. But it goes a step farther. Uh, it it specifies what exactly this strong state is about. It is not enough to police. Um, market power to prevent the accumulation of market power, the state has to be strong enough to resist pressure from any form of special interests, of organized interests. Now, and this happens also to include parties. Political parties are, by definition, special interests. So the order liberalism came to develop a form of um, economic constitution in other words, certain economic rules which are constitutionalized, they are taken out of the uh, democratic partisan process and they become an economic constitution which enables then uh, a, a legal, social, and economic order to emerge. Ordo in Latin, is the Latin word for order. I now come finally 
it was a long wait, I apologize for that, but it was necessary, I think, to the social market economy. Now, if you look at the use that most um, of its framers made of it in the 1950s and 60s, people like Ludwig Erhard, they seem to use it as a label for the neoliberal program. It was, um, it was the slogan somehow that enabled the basic neoliberal program that I have described to present itself and to prevail in an environment that was prima facie very hostile to it, the environment of West Germany in the immediate post-war period. Uh, we need to remember what it was. It was occupied by the Allied powers who were not necessarily very uh, favorable to the, the rebuild of free market principles in Germany. The Christian Democrats at the time had a rather corporatist view of the economy, so not, not free market at all. The Social Democrats believed in the planned economy, so not free market at all. So these ordo liberals um, had the basic marketing problem, if we want, of how to spread, how to make uh, their ideas palatable. And they invented the label social market economy. And there are some very funny and striking uh, uh, sentences on how they, they explain the social dimension. What do they mean by social? And um, for example, Alexander Rustov once referred in his uh, letters to the social market economy as the realization of the neoliberal program. Another episode um, that is worth maybe recalling is Ludwig Erhard, so uh, economy minister and then chancellor of Germany, who um, sort of apologized to Friedrich Hayek. Um, of course, by using the label social market economy, we do not mean that the, the markets should be made social by the state, but in fact, markets are uh, social as such, they are inherently social. And in what way, if you go on and listen, read their explanations, the way was that, of course, free markets policed according to the idea of the of order liberalism would produce better products, lower prices, um, growing real wages, and therefore would have socially beneficial effect. So, of course, this is a, a, a definition of social that would leave uh, many observers, many listeners today dissatisfied, but it was the, their definition, the definition of social that many of them gave. Now, in all fairness, it is true that Müller Armack, who is the inventor of the label social market economy, I think I didn't mention this, he invented the term social market economy while being himself, as I have said, a, a neoliberal and an order liberal, as an additional nuance to the concept. It is true that he believed that his idea of the social market economy was more open, left more space for government intervention than most other um, uh, ordo liberals would have accepted. For example, he defended uh, government intervention um, and investment in education. Uh, he, he thought the government had an important role in um, countering economic fluctuations, stabilizing the economic cycle. There are parts in which he, for example, supports um, government subsidies to small and medium-sized enterprises, to small uh, agricultural uh, producers, to small farmers. So this already comes closer to what we normally today associate to the, to the social market economy, but it, it has to be clear that yes, we are talking about, as many of them said, a third way between laissez-faire capitalism and the planned economy. It was a third way, but it was a third way which was rather closer to the first way than to the second way, meaning rather closer to laissez-faire capitalism, to liberalism, economic liberalism, than it was to 
a planned economy on, on, or even simply to welfareism. The other concept that I have mentioned and it is important at this stage to emphasize is the idea of an economic constitution that stands above democratic politics, party politics, because it has to be insulated from the influence of special interest, including political special interest, not only economic special interest. And this is important, I think, because it's a nice transition to the European dimension of um, the social market economy. So the social market economy and European integration. And here, um, I have already mentioned that there is a personal link. Alfred Müller-Armack was in charge of the, the negotiation um, for the European Economic Community Treaty on behalf of the Federal Republic of Germany. So he was a very important player. But I think it is fair to say that the entire EEC um, uh, treaty has absorbed, has incorporated important ordo-liberal uh, ideas which were part of the original conception of the social market economy and which are still partly in place in the current European Union. We see that in the conception that the European Union has of competition policy, for example. It's the idea of a very robust policing of markets, um, of active intervention to break down cartels, much more active than, for example, even in the United States. But more importantly, probably, uh, the social market economy became a very useful way to conceptualize the European economic community as what was progressively becoming in the 1960s and 70s, meaning a, a supranational legal order insulated from national, above somehow, national uh, politics and national democratic politics, whose task was to police the openness of markets, to uh, break down monopolies, to strike down uh, national rules that would infringe what we now call the for freedom, the free, the free flow of people, capital, um, capital services and goods. With the social aspect, the social consequences of this process left largely to the national levels. And this is, this is exactly in line with the mindset of the original social market economy and of the original order liberalism in which the economic um, economic rules have to be constitutionalized. They have to be taken out of the political process because they are too important to be left um, exposed to the vagaries of democratic politics. And the burden of the social adjustment in, in the case of the European project was left uh, uh, to the national level. So to conclude, the first idea that it is important to retain, because I think it's a historical fact, is that the social market economy came out of a uh, neoliberal milieu, it was a neoliberal concept framed to advance the neoliberal agenda in uh, the very unfavorable context of West Germany after the war. Second, I think, idea that it is important to retain, um, the social market economy and its influence in, on the early steps of European integration is partly the reason why the social dimension uh, by construction remain excluded um, from European integration almost to this day. And then the final concept that is important, and I think it, it, is, it comes out of what I have said, since the beginning this was an ambiguous concept. But I think the ambiguity of the concept also accounts for its uh, popularity, for its lasting popularity. Why? Because it was an ambiguous concept that could be used by different people to suit their needs. Uh, this is exactly what happened in the 1960s and 70s where, uh, when 
social democrats started understanding that they could use the social market economy for their own goals to mean something different, of course, very different from what the framers had originally meant, meaning the welfare state, a mixed economy um, that um, was characterized by very high levels of social protection. And we, come, we see that we come closer to our own understanding of the, of the um, uh, term, of the meaning of the term. So although it is a concept developed in the 1950s to address problems that were totally different from ours, it is part now of the constitution of Europe, if we may say so, and therefore it, it will remain relevant for years and perhaps decades to come. That was today's episode of Europe Out Loud. Subscribe to our podcasts for more.